Welcome to the Military OneSource podcast. Military OneSource is an official program of the Defense Department with tools, information, and resources to help families navigate all aspects of military life. For more information, visit militaryonesource.mil. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moody. One day you have an affectionate little human who wants to be with you all the time, then everything changes. I want to say at this point that I was given a script that describes a teen as, quote, a sometimes moody adolescent who finds fault with everything that you do. Well, again, my name is Bruce Moody, and I can tell you that I was a moody adolescent, uppercase M and lower. I definitely lived up to my name. I can say from personal experience that adolescence is a confusing time for both kids and their parents. But as, as much as your teen pushes you away, Parents are more important than ever during this stage, and many parents don't understand their influence, especially in the lives of their older teens. So we'll talk about this today with our guest, who is Dr. Kenneth Ginsberg. He is a pediatrician specializing in adolescent medicine at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He is a professor of pediatrics at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine and co-founder and director of programs at the Center for Parent and Teen Communications. Dr. Ginsberg has written extensively about what happens during adolescence and the role parents should have in the lives of their teens. His newly released title is Congrats, You're Having a Teen, Strengthening Your Family and Raise a Good Person which paints a different picture on the parent-teen relationship. Dr. Ginsberg, welcome to the podcast. Bruce, it is a joy and honor to be here. Thank you for wanting me to share this knowledge. Yeah, and we're looking forward to you doing just that. So let's begin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how that brings us to here? Yeah, so I am a pediatrician. I specialize in adolescent medicine, meaning that I support young people to become their best selves. Um, it means that I think about their physical health as well as their emotional and their behavioral health. Um, it has been truly one of the great honors of my lifetime to be um, serving to uh, military families since about 2006. And uh, I have worked very closely with military families, Military Child Education Coalition, in particular Boys and Girls Clubs of America Military Families, to try to support military families to build and maintain resilience even during the deployment cycles. So that's really interesting. And there's a lot to unpack there. So let's just begin with perhaps a very, very broad question, but what role should parents have in the life of their teen? To be the person who knows your child fully and loves them completely, right? That's it. Why, Bruce, why do we love we love so that human beings know they're worthy of being loved. Who are parents? Parents are the people who know the, who their kids are. They know all that is good and right and their complexities and their limitations. So what are parents' roles? To be the people in their kids' lives, even during those moments when they're moody, that they stand by them, that they show up, that their love is unconditional. That is protective beyond description. So are you describing a scenario in which you hear the words, you see actions, but you have a different response to those particular words and those particular actions? 
that you're seeing a different picture and that the teen is not seeing, or maybe a different picture that the teen is afraid or unaware of to acknowledge? I think you're getting closer. I think the issue is that it is for parents to see kids as they deserve to be seen, as they really are, not through the lens of their behaviors, right? That is what parents can do. You know, during your introduction, Bruce, you made a very, very important point. You pointed out that the presence of parents is perhaps more important than at any other time during human development, except for maybe between zero and three, where you have to feed them to keep them alive. But now is the time you nurture them to be able to thrive, to know who they really are. And so what's happening in general for adolescents is that they are judged fully by their behaviors, right? Whether it's in school, whether it's by other teens, so many people see what they're doing and then describe the teen as who they are based on what they're doing. A parent's opportunity is to really see who the kid is, their character strengths, all that is good and right, and those strengths they have yet to develop. Because, you know, I have the audacity to have defined love, right? Love is literally seeing someone as they deserve to be seen, right? Not based on the behavior. And Bruce, love is different than liking. You don't have to like the behavior, but if you want to bring your child back to being their best self, you love who they are. So as you're loving the child, the teen, uh, for who they are, um, how are you dealing with the the emotions and the the pushback? Are there cues to look for that uh, indicate, well, I have an in here, or should I wait a few minutes, or should I meet volume with volume? What 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 sort of what should a parent be looking for when they're when they're trying to get into the heads of their of their teen? Yeah, so you want to be present and available and understand that the teen is the expert in their own life. They may or may not be ready to talk to you in this moment, but they rely on you fully. You know, in your introduction, Bruce, you said that you have these adorable little children who want to spend all their time with you and everything changes during adolescence. That is simply not accurate. It may look accurate from the outside, but every piece of research that's been done shows that adolescents want to be with their parents, want to know their parents' values, and want their parents to accept them fully. So what you need to do, Bruce, to start is to understand development, right? To understand that adolescence is absolutely a confusing time. Why? Because it's the time where you are trying, you're answering the most fundamental and most difficult question in the world, which is, who am I? right? Very confusing. It's also the time where you have to become very independent and figure out how to do things on your own. What does that mean? It means that while you're trying to become independent, just a normal human reaction is to resent the fact that you're not yet independent. Who are parents? Parents are the people who did everything for you when you were little. So yes, they temporarily push us away or may push us away. I don't want you to have any expectations that things are gonna be tough, but they may push us away as they are learning to stand on their own. When we handle this phase of their life well, that's when this 
pushing you away will diminish. But during these moments, you know, when you said meet volume with volume, the answer is absolutely not. Because if the kid is, I hate you so much, and you're like, oh, I hate you more, guess what? And when the kid is trying to become independent and say, and slams the door because they need their own room, and you go equal and opposite and open the door because you say, it's my house, I can go anywhere, that's volume for volume but it flies in the face of development. If instead, when your kid says, I hate you, you go, "Mm, I still love you. I'm gonna be in the other room, knock when you're ready. And when they slam the door, you just whisper through it. I see you need space. I'm available when you want me. So they don't need you to go volume for volume. They need you to be a stable presence in their life who never stops loving. That stable presence, how does that carry in the head of a teen as they go out the door? So I'm thinking about harmful behaviors that teens, they're probably way more prevalent than when I was growing up. Problems online, problems with drugs, problems with other types of negative behaviors. How do you empower a child before they go out the door that gets ahead of these negative behaviors? Multiple answers to that question, Bruce. The first is you see the child as they are. You see what's good and right about them. That reinforces for them what their values are. It is your knowledge of who their kid is that is make, that is their North Star. They know who they're supposed to be. You then also give them the facts to make sure that they're aware of the dangers, for example, of drugs or of online predators or of putting your information out there and last forever. You give them the information. Then you make it clear, I am your lifeline. You can always come to me no matter what. And I'll give you one example. Something I love doing is making sure that every family has a code word. Right. So in your dreams, Bruce, you would go to a party and a kid would say, hey, you want to smoke this? And I would go, I'm sorry, I will not participate that because it's inconsistent with my values. Like we'd love our kids to talk like that, but they don't. Right. And it's too hard to call down your friends. But you know what's normal in teen culture is to say, are you kidding? My mother would kill me or my mother ruins my life. My brother, mother smells me when I get home. So what do you do? You give them knowledge. You give them the knowledge that they can always or the awareness that they can always come to you. And then you give them code word. Now I'm at the party. Now drugs come out and I text my mom and I drop her a code word that says, hey, get me out of here. And my mom knows what it is. It might be, hey, left too soon to walk spotty. But if I said walk spotty on a text, my mom knows to text back, What do you mean? You're supposed to be home. Don't you remember their aunt was coming over? Get home now. Do you want me to pick you up? Right? You give them the way out to live to their values. And that acknowledges a couple major points. Families are vital. And it acknowledges that to exist in the teen world, you can't always be looking morally superior. You have to deal with your reality of keeping your friends and doing the right thing. Code word allows you to do that. Okay. Also allowing you to do that is just the personal strength to be centered in order to do that. 
It's one thing to we've just read your book and listen to the podcast. We've got the the head knowledge, but how does a parent maintain their state of mind? And so what are the opportunities to kind of reclaim energy in between like when a child is out and also to prepare for a, a, a stressful situation? So, you know, I might sound like a broken record, but it gets back to that love and knowing who our child really is. And there might be moments where our child is not behaving to their capabilities. Then here's what I want you to do. I want you to remind yourself why you care so much. If you're furious, it's because you care. You don't get furious at strangers. If you're worried, it's because you love. You remind yourself why. You remind yourself who your kid really is. And if you have to get together with a friend, a spouse, a neighbor to remind you of all that was good in writing your child when they were five years old, to recenter yourself on what is good. But remember this, the worst thing that can happen in our relationships is for our children to feel they've lost us. So under no circumstances whatsoever do you ever say you're cut off or I'll never forgive you. Or if you do this, don't come back to this house, right? Every child needs to know they have a way back in. And this whole model of knowing what is good and right about your child and keep loving, even if there are moments when you're not liking, that is the roadmap back home for your child. And what I do in my work and in my latest book is literally give scripts about how to welcome the kid back into your life, you know? And at the Center for Parent and Teen Communication, we have a website called parentandteen.com. So it's completely free, right? And you know what one of the most searched for items is? It's young people, even though we're not putting stuff out there saying, find us. But last year, about 50,000 young people were searching for how do I reconnect or regain trust with my parents? Wow. Right? Amen. Amen. It is a myth that they want to break from us and not come back. What they want is to become interdependent with us, but that only happens if you honor their growing independence. If you become super controlling, then to fulfill their developmental role, which is to be able to stand on their own, they will push you away. But if you honor their independence and let them know, you know what I am? I'm the person who knows you fully and loves you completely. You mentioned um, near the top that you've worked very closely with military families. How would you take what you've been talking about here today and kind of direct that toward the stresses of, say, a deployment? We're talking about military families and the stressors kind of unique to military life. So the first thing to remember about every military family is that they're a family first, right? So I want everyone listening to know that everything I'm saying that is most important applies to you as well. But there are unique stressors, right? And the first stressor is a physical separation. And because there's physical separation, it's, I believe, vitally important that both parents remain very involved in discipline, meaning to teach or to guide, not to punish or control. So for example, if you go to parentandteen.com or you read my work specifically for military families, but if you go to parentandteen.com, you put in the word military, you will see a behavioral contract. That is something that 
every family in America can use, but I developed specifically for military families because of separation. Because if we have contracts beforehand, then that means that even if, let's say the mom is deployed, then the dad is the primary caretaker at home, then the dad can say, well, you know, your mom and I agreed that, and you bring her present even though she's physically absent. And let me say one other thing, and I say this with such deep love and affection for military families. Like I have goosebumps right now, honestly. Like I cannot tell you what an honor it has been to work with these families. But let me tell you something that um, sometimes your children suffer from, and that is perfectionism. They become very good little boys and girls because one or both parents are away and what they learn is to not cause trouble. So in the worst case scenario, they learn they have to cause trouble to get attention, but that's rare. What they learn is I don't wanna cause any trouble because my mom's already going through so much because she's in charge of the whole household and there's four of us, so I'm gonna be a perfect little boy and a girl. And then sometimes we also say these lines like, well, your dad's away, you're the man of the house now. And that creates something called adultification, where you actually have military children or children in general who feel like they don't have time to make the mistakes of childhood because they're an adult. That also leads to this kind of perfectionism. What do we want to do instead? We want to have the don't spare me conversation. You know, you're right, your dad's away. And you're right, I'm really stressed. And I'm like, mom, dad, grandpa, I'm all of it. But you know what I see you doing, darling? I see you really working really hard to protect me and by to not sometimes show me what's going on in your life. And on the one hand, gosh, I appreciate how strong you are. But you know what's important to me? Being your mom or being your dad. It's the most important job I have. And when you spare me to try to protect me, you're actually preventing me from doing what's most important to me. So I beg you, be a child just a little bit longer. Be a child and don't spare me. Come to me when you need me. I'll find the strength to be there. We're in this together. That's the message, the just don't spare me message. I, I have other concepts as well for military families, but those are those would be the the keys that I really wanna point out. Your kids are special. You know what, I am gonna do one more, Bruce, forgive me. But but let's remember what, what some of the benefits of being a military child are, right? So if you read the stuff I write, I, I talk so much about the protective importance of having a sense of meaning and purpose, a responsibility to other people, to know that you matter, that you're doing something for your community, right? So out in the regular world, I gotta wave that flag real high sometimes. In the military world, every single military child knows what commitment and service means. They know what responsibility to community means. And let me make no mistake about it, that is deeply, deeply protective to them far into the future. So just as we discuss the challenges of being a military family, let's elevate and celebrate the benefits of being a military family as well. I love what you have to say. And I'm thinking about the concept of perfectionism. It seems like a lot of what you're saying is you really need to walk before you can run. And the purpose of being a young person is to 
bump and fall and make some wrong turns and learn from each bump and fall and wrong turn. And then as a refined individual, you arrive at adulthood and you don't want to deprive a young person of that important learning experience. I just want to give you an amen. I mean, I could say the same thing you just said and repeat it, but you said it perfectly, Bruce, right? If you don't make mistakes during childhood, you're going to make them during adulthood. Let's let them make mistakes while they're under our protective eye. Do you have any suggestions for parents with regard to kids? Just they seem to be pulled in so many different directions. The schedules that they have, classes starting early, buses picking them up way earlier than that. Clubs and teams, athletics, homework, uh, perhaps a part-time job. And then the time that they do have to themselves, it's uh, increasingly eaten up by screen time. What does that do to a teen? And what can a parent do to kind of defend the space that they need to basically just relax and rest? So, you know what? I don't usually like this to be about me, but I... You know, you know, I, I write a lot of books and I have these blocks about when concepts are going to happen. And then suddenly I'll be in the shower when I think I'm not thinking. And then the whole idea comes to me. Right. Downtime is exactly when ideas get solidified and creativity flows. So, Bruce, the level of overscheduling you're talking about is not healthy, not just for kids, but for like human beings, even grownups. Right. And. And we know scientifically that lessons from school are solidified sometimes during downtime. We know that play is important for young children to just not only have downtime, but to learn the lessons that you're just not going to learn sitting in a classroom. So I very, very much urge parents to protect time for young children to do nothing. Totally understand what you're talking about. Dr. Ginsburg, it is wonderful to know that you're in our corner. Uh, it is great to have you with us. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on, on the subject? I don't know a perfect final thought except for to circle back and understand that, you know, we worry about our children because of how intensely we love them. And your job as a parent is to let your kid make a lot of mistakes so they can grow into adulthood. But when they were two years old, you let them knock over the blocks. You didn't let them put the hand on the stove. I want you during adolescence to very clearly distinguish what are the hand on the stove moments versus the mistakes we allow. Where we get into trouble in parenting adolescents is becoming so over controlling that we don't let them get their hands dirty in the cookie batter like when they were two. And then children run away from us. But if we let them make mistakes and we don't control them, but at the same time, we have firm and clear boundaries beyond which they cannot stray. Those hand on the stove things. And you may not do this. Why? Because I love you too much to allow you to be in danger. So you set up the boundaries. But if they're within those boundaries and you're role modeling for them what it means to be a healthy adult, you're cool. There's a lot to cover here. <laughs> and I'm sure we'd love to have you back and uh, continue this discussion. Um, you know, I'm always available for military families. You know that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Kenneth Ginsburg. 
Uh, and we want to remind you that Military One Source is an official resource of the Defense Department. We are a website, a call center. We're all over social media, and now we're a podcast. So we hope you'll subscribe to this podcast because we cover a wide range of topics to help military families navigate military life. I'm Bruce Moody. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.